Ideas Anxiously with Amy and Lisa. Now here are your hosts, Amy and Lisa. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Amy. And this is Anxiously, the show where we talk about all the things that make us feel anxious. So today's episode is a little bit different. We actually have two guests on who know us very well, wouldn't you say, Lisa? I would say they know us exceptionally well. And I would say they're very special guests. (laughs) Very special guests are husbands. We had a long, wide-ranging conversation with them about what it's like being married to living with anxious people, aka us. (laughs) Here's our conversation with Daniel and Liel. The rock and roll, the skins, that thing. So today we actually have two very special guests who know us and our anxieties probably all too well. Our husbands. Welcome, Daniel. Welcome, Liel. Hello. Liel Leibowitz is a magnificent writer, a magnificent intellect, a pillar of the Jewish community. A, a guy f- who does the cooking and the shopping. Fucking amazing around father. Here. A really good cook. And my husband. Aw, Daniel is the best husband in the world. Take that, Leo. Objectively, totally objectively. I will agree with that. I am not in the competition (laughs) for that particular title. (laughs) Daniel is infinitely wise, infinitely patient. He is a lawyer and is therefore very just. And um, he is the love of my life. Aw, (laughs) that's so sweet. So, Amy and Daniel, how Have you guys been married? Two beautiful years, but we've known each other for much longer. We had a long engagement, if by engagement you mean dating. We met in 2006, so it has been a long, sometimes bumpy road to where we are today. But yes, we we will be married for two years this fall. And so we basically spent our first year as newlyweds in quarantine. Fivish Finkel was 14 when you started dating. Just a mere yingle. How long have you guys been married and together? Well, he was nine when we started dating. (laughs) Liel and I met in 2001, and we got married in 2004. So we will be celebrating our, let's see if I can do the math, our 17th wedding anniversary this year. Correct. Your marriage can almost vote. (laughs) Almost high. Yeah, nice. So we obviously know our spouses very well after all these years together, and they know us. So we thought we would ask them to talk a little bit about what it's like being married to each of us and specifically what it's like being married to anxious women. I I will say a day has not passed since March of last year that you haven't had COVID. So that's that's been an interesting experience. (laughs) I've been worried. What can I say? And how, how have you contracted COVID? Each day of the past year. Who knows? From phones, from doorknobs, from... People who've coughed a block away. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's true. It's been different for the past year. It's constantly been, do I have COVID? Do I have COVID? Previously, the most common refrain in our house was, is that a bug? Usually it's screamed. And usually it's not a bug. See, I think I think Daniel is, is raising a really interesting question because I love Lisa so much and, and Daniel, I know you love Amy so much, but guys, living with you is like, it's a constant exercise in game theory. You know, these like, 
prisoner's dilemma like is the other person like how are my reactions going to be predicated on what i think the other person is going to do i'm always going to think okay how is lisa going to freak out about this particular thing and then accordingly I need to adjust my own predilections. And even if I think something is reasonably scary or detrimental, I'm always going to adjust like 35% downwards because I know Lisa's going to adjust 65% upwards and we have to maintain some kind of equilibrium. So I'd be like, eh, the kid fell. They're only bleeding. It's fine. Uh, and he's like, we got to go to the ER right now. It's kind of an interesting game because you never feel like you're really coasting on your actual instincts. You're always sort of like adjusting the dial according to what you think the other person's going to do. Right back at you. <laughs> I know. No, it's weird. I'm like, you're not careful enough. So somebody has to have some common sense between the two of us. And like if the child is bleeding or like might have broken a bone, you should probably get an x-ray. I, I will say for me, there's a, a funny balancing act. On the one hand, there are times when I have to really be a reality check and tell Amy, you know, you probably don't have COVID because your mask is not perfectly tight. The odds are quite unlikely. On the other hand, there's many times where I have to hide reality from Amy because, you know, if there was, in fact, as there once was, a, a water bug in our apartment, I try to kill it stealthily to, to hide that fact from Amy because she won't accept that water bugs, according to science, are a solitary creature. And it's unlikely that there's not a massive infestation that requires poisoning our home. Is that true? See, they, they doubt it even now. Lisa's like, I don't think that's true. I think bugs necessarily come in the billions, mm, yes. according to science. Yeah. Thank you, Lisa. Here's, well, let me ask you this, Lisa. A, a gaggle of geese, a murder of crows. <laughs> What's the term for a big group of water the bugs? Venal, there is none. A nightmare. Little no <laughs> a schlepping of bugs. Of <laughs> little, no little known fact, Neil Diamond's Solitary Man was actually written about a, a cockroach. A water bug. <laughs> <laughs> about a water bug. Well, so Lisa, I thank you for validating me. If you and I were actually married, I would be right with you there screaming about going to the ER. But maybe that's not a good thing. It's probably not a good thing. We would both be like screaming all the time. <laughs> so we're probably blessed having these partners who balance us out. But how does it make you feel when Liel downplays your fears, maybe? I'm like, are you an alien? Because I don't understand where you're coming from at all. Also, I don't really understand why you're saying it's like this with everything. Because it's not everything, right? Of, co of course not, my love. <laughs> uh, and yet this, this alien metaphor is, I think, very apt. Sometimes when I hear you speak and you say things like, oh, but does this mean that X would happen? I'd be like, hold on. How did you go from zero to 100 in your head? Like, how did you go from like this thing that just happened in my perceived reality to like some complete end of world catastrophe? And like 1.3 second, like this is genuinely amazing to me. And, and I watch it, you know, with a real sense of awe. It, it is a beautiful <laughs> thing to behold. And I know that you think the same thing about me because you look at me and you think, how don't you perceive of this threat that to me seems very real? And I think that's part of what makes our relationship so magical. That's so romantic. <laughs> I mean, I definitely think that we both need the balancing out on either end. And I'm deeply grateful for the way you balance me out. I will say that it does get frustrating sometimes when I feel... I get that sometimes my reactions are extreme and I jump to the catastrophic basically like reflexively. But... I do feel frustrated when I feel that you don't 
honor or hear or empathize with my perspective at all. Daniel, do you honor or empathize? Because I really have a very hard time doing this. I admit readily, like my first reaction is basically to say, nope, none of this is real. Goodbye. And sort of like walk away in a way that I, I know is is a dickish move. I understand. And I admit this fully. Teach me, brother. How can I get better? I work to honor all reality-based anxieties. (laughs) Those that are sometimes more loosely tethered to reality, I I struggle struggle a little bit more with, but but I I do also endeavor to find a way toward empathy and understanding with respect to those because they are a part of my wife and I love my wife and and therefore, I guess in some ways, I love her crazy anxieties. You know what though, Daniel? Thank you. That's very sweet. However, there are many times where you just immediately dismiss me out of hand. In fact, your favorite thing to say to me is knock it off. You're like, I start something. I'm like, but what if? Knock it off. Knock it off. And I tell you, I'm not being heard. You're not validating me. I'd actually like Amy to recharacterize what she said. I I rarely say knock it off. No, you do. You always say knock it off. I more often say, calm down. It's not so bad. I'm a much more sympathetic. You know, you're, you're, you're painting me to be some sort okay, of a, fine. Uh, a monster. That's right. You often say, relax, don't be a hysterical woman. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Amy Friedman, is there not a part of you who, while genuinely and honestly wishing to be heard by Daniel, also acknowledges that part of your particular dynamic is Daniel then saying, Amy, stop it. And that providing a kind of emotional reassurance because you love him in part for his ability to remain tethered, whereas you are, shall we say, a sea, afloat, <laughs> etc. Yes, I can admit this now while I'm not in the midst of a freak out about something that it is a very priceless quality in Daniel and it probably helps me enormously. But here's something interesting that I want to talk about, which is that Daniel obviously is the calm one in the relationship and the sort of more logic-based one. However, Daniel is not a non-anxious person. Daniel has anxieties and especially in this year of quarantine when we've been working basically (laughs) side by side in a one-bedroom apartment for a year. I have seen a lot more of that anxious side and I kind of like resent that side because it's like, wait, why are you now the neurotic one? Like this is my- It's moving in on your turf. (laughs) Exactly. Like this is my dance space. You stay out of my, you know, like I- You come into my anxiety fest, you don't call me godmother. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, Daniel, what do you think of that? It's true. Lisa and Amy, I am I am one of you. I I, I am also I am also part of Anxiously Nation. I am You know, you're not truly no, like well, well, we'll let you, you in. You're you're like Olympic level anxious people. I'm more NCAA anxious. <laughs> I have anxieties. My anxieties are a little different, I think, than yours. Bugs don't phase me. I have, I guess, what one might call social responsibility anxiety. I'm sort of nervous about my actions and how they affect others. So 
a sort of quotidian anxiety that I know you find annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I try very hard to do good recycling separation. It's a little bit, it's a cause of some anxiety. It's a bit, it's a bit much. Um, as a journalist, when I, I was a journalist, I was always worried about, you know, making sure I get everything right, lest I trespass against the great value of truth with a capital T. All right. As an attorney, I'm, you know, I'm anxious. I want to make sure I do, I do justice to my clients. And so I, I think that those are the sort of anxieties that, that I have. Those are legitimate. Liel. I feel none of it. What makes you, yeah, what? (laughs) Absolutely nothing. Yeah, tell me. The feeling is entirely foreign to me. I trust in Hashem, I trust in God to stir this right. And I feel nothing of what you feel, which which is in part is this like magical mystery tour of being married to this amazing (laughs) woman who I love so dearly. It's like the emotion itself, it is so not a part of my repertoire. It's like, I can't even empathize with it because i feel love i feel hurt i feel a whole range of emotions this one i ain't got it like at all that is like an alien i know my brain cannot comprehend like what's the point well you're right about that there's no point right. it's a waste of time and energy <laughs> but my, my first question are. is can i control it if the answer is yes then okay then do something about it. If the answer is no, then don't worry about it. Just move on to step two. That's a very Niberian perspective. You're going very serenity prayer. I believe in it. I can't. It doesn't take. I hear what you're saying and I really admire it and I want to be more that way, but it... I don't know that that needs to be some kind of value judgment ascribed to it. I, I like my lot. I'm not complaining, but... At the same time, really ascertaining your emotional disposition. I want to ask you this. How does your anxiety manifest itself about our marriages? I mean, when you look at our marriages, what are the things that you're worried about? What's the catastrophic thinking like? I mean, okay, with COVID, it's like, oh my God, I got COVID. When you look at us, what are the things that you think we might do that will be bad? It's a good question. And I would say that it has changed over the years. I mean, we've been together a really long time. Like when we were young, I was anxious about the way, I don't know, you spent money. I don't have that anxiety anymore. And I think like, as we have grown up together, we have come together on that particular topic. I don't know. A lot of my anxiety now is, is centered around the kids. Uh, (laughs) So I'm I'm off the hook. Yeah, that's good. Good. (laughs) Yeah. I, you know, I worry that like, I'll bore you eventually or that you'll get tired of me. I, I think this pandemic year has been good for us. I feel, you know, I feel really fortunate about that. Like we've worked in this apartment together every day and it's been great. You know, we haven't completely concur. It's been, you know, we're very fortunate. It's been magical. That's so nice. Obviously, they live in a larger apartment. <laughs> exactly, very lucky exactly. to have a large apartment exactly. that's like this very is stocked unsaid. with all the liquor that we need. Yes, they do live in a bigger apartment. I don't see you most most days. Most days, I know. Sometimes we have lunch together. We do. That's nice. Or we breakfast. Bump, we bump into each other in the hallway. We, we pop in. Hi. We, we, we see each other in the kitchen. <laughs> that sounds really lovely. By, by the coffee machine. Okay, Amy. Yeah, it's interesting, Lisa. I have a similar fear in some ways that, so when I was little and I was also prone to anxious fits, my mother would say to me, Amy, you would try the patience of a saint. That was her expression, (laughs) my Jewish mom. Daniel 
is kind of a saint. So my worry, though, is that I will one day go too far (laughs) and try the patience of that saint. Because as you were saying, Lisa, like, I do worry that I kind of need to be more mindful of my reactions and how they affect Daniel. Not that I have any ever doubt of Daniel's steadfast devotion, which is such a wonderful feeling. I want to ask this. Before you got into this, was there a kind of set of expectations in your mind? Did you think about this? Did you think of yourself in the context of a marriage, of a relationship? I mean, you've had relationships before us, although we would rather not think about them. What do you mean? I don't even know any other men. You're so inconsequential. (laughs) And has that changed? I mean, how have these expectations been treated once they met with reality? This was a huge struggle for me, actually, as a dating person in the world. I think I was a very impressionable young child who read a lot of Jane Austen and watched a lot of rom-coms and really absorbed the message that marriage was the happily ever after. You know, you had the kiss at the chuppah, in our case, and then everything kind of worked out perfectly and that you never doubted, you never were angry or upset. You know, everything was just kind of a smooth, beautiful road. And I really bought that hook, line, and sinker. And I think it was a struggle for me as an adult to realize that you don't always, you know, not that Daniel and I don't have like lovely romantic times, like we have many, but yeah, when that meets up with the day-to-day reality, it can be hard to kind of come to terms with that. Very hard in some cases. I guess I was under the impression that a perfect relationship had no conflict, that you both had identical views, and that you were lovey-dovey, all the, for lack of a better word, like just always feeling romantic all the time. And now I can look back and kind of laugh at those beliefs, but I don't know, I don't want to generalize too much, but I think it is something a lot of women struggle with. And I think part of growing up is realizing that it's okay to have conflict with your partner and it's okay to not always feel super romantic. Give me then the one realization that you got in the course of your long engagement and marriage that was the most sobering. And the one thing that you sort of came to terms with that was sort of most surprising and and kind of a little bit jarring. Daniel is very passionate about urban preservation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know one of his least charming qualities. No, if you ask it me. just I don't that is not a passion of mine. And when we're walking around, he likes to point out that this area should be <laughs> landmarked, for instance. Or a building that was a synagogue in nineteen twenty four. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah. And I often get frustrated. And and my anxious mind would jump to thinking, oh, well, your life partner shouldn't have an interest that you're not interested in. Or poetry. Sometimes you get frustrated. Oh, okay. Actually, this like sums up everything. When I was in high school, I made the declaration that the man I would marry would have to know who Boccaccio was. (laughs) The guy who runs the pizza parlor. (laughs) 73rd and 2nd. That's what I thought. Boccaccio was this Italian poet who wrote the Decameron. What? Yeah. And I thought it was very charming. It was kind of like a joke, but also not. Like, in my mind, it was like, well, of course, you know, any man who was, like, well-read and learned and would know this and therefore would be a worthy partner for me. Daniel does still, maybe to this day, does not know who Boccaccio is, which doesn't mean that he's not (laughs) extremely well-read and learned. The guy from Karate Kid? (laughs) That's Macchio. He did not um, pass that test, which in retrospect is completely arbitrary. And I see that now, but it took a while to accept that. That's okay. 
maybe the the perfect guy doesn't know who Boccaccio is. Lisa, what test did I not pass? Or tests? <laughs> Whatever are you talking about, my love? I don't know. It feels like so long ago that I was not married to you. But I think maybe one quality that I thought I would always look for in the man I married would be like somebody who could fix stuff. <laughs> and who knew how things work. And you know, Liel cannot fix a lot of things, although he did teach himself how to fix a clogged toilet this summer, which was incredibly <gasps> impressive. Mazel tov. I also recently learned that, Liel. If, you did? if poop is involved, I'm there. <laughs> Liel did learn how to fix a toilet. That's about all he can fix. He is not handy no. at all. And I will say, like, I think I'm the handy one. Mm-hmm. I, oh, for sure. I always had an interest in being handy. My dad is very handy, which I think is where this whole thing started from. And he taught me some stuff. And I love building furniture. I love fixing stuff when I can do it. I would love to learn more. I think in accepting that you will never be the handyman in this relationship, it it made me become the handy person. And I'm actually proud of that. So it worked out. I will say that Daniel is actually handy, which I I would not have seen coming. (laughs) No Ikea furniture piece will sit unassembled for long in our home. (laughs) So you guys have aired your grievances about us, about how how challenging it can be being married to anxious women. I don't view it as airing grievances so much as sharing the richness of our life. Aww. Amen, Sela. Well, I was going to say, what do you like about us? (laughs) What makes it worth sticking around? Everything you do is magic. Can you be a little more specific? Yeah, I, I will. You know what? Yes. Yes, I will. This is not to sanctify or acknowledge or embrace the sense of anxiety, but it does come from this deep well of passion. It comes from the feeling place, right? And it, while sometimes enabling these tremors <laughs> that are so insane and deeply frustrating, It also inspires this great, big, throbbing sense of care and love and empathy that is just overwhelming to watch. And it radiates in the way, you know, Lisa, you treat our children, the way you treat me, the way you look at the world. And it's it's just lovely and inspiring. Thank you, my love. If I'd have known Liel would, would recite such a beautiful monologue about his wife, I'd have written a sonnet about mine. I do agree with Liel in some ways. You know, I, I love you not despite your anxiety, but because of the qualities that it's part and parcel of, which is, you know, your deep feeling and, and engagement with life. Aww. I mean, we know, Lisa and I know why we like each other. It was <laughs> nice to hear from our beloved husbands why, why they like us. I also like Liel, for the record. <laughs> right, right back at you. <laughs> well, thank you for being our guests on Anxiously and in our homes. No, <laughs> our permanent guests. And now you may go back to the spare bedroom <laughs> where you will spend the night. Well, that was fun and different. (laughs) That was quite an experience. I hope everybody is still married at the end of this happily. And I hope all of you are still listening at the end of this. (laughs) Yes. It was sort of like being in like group couples therapy, but in a good way. Without the moderator. We were each other's therapists and patients. It was very interesting. It was. There was a therapeutic quality to it, I would say. 
So what are you doing now to feel a little bit less anxious? I think I'm going to hang out with Liel. How about you? Yes, I'm going to hang out with Daniel and not not stress him out um, <laughs> needlessly by, you know, saying I see a bug or... Right. I'm going to try not to let my anxiety get the better of me for a little while at least. At least until next time. Exactly. Well, we are very lucky to have such understanding partners and I am lucky to have you because I know you get it. Oh, and I know you always get it and I hope all of you listening get it too. And we'll see you next time. Anxiously is brought to you by Tablet Studios. Our producers are Josh Cross, Sarah Fredman Ader, and Robert Scaramuccia. Our music is by the best band in the world, Low Cut Connie. Please rate and review us on iTunes so more people can find us. It really helps. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at anxiouslypod. And if you have feedback or questions about the show, email us at anxiously at tabletmag.com. For more information about the show, head to tabletmag.com slash anxiously and check out all of Tablet's podcasts at tabletmag.com slash podcasts. See you later.